flowers You belong in a boat out at sea Sail away Kill off the hours You belong somewhere you feel free Run away Welcome back to 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by John Paulson. What's up, JP? How you doing today? Doing all right. How you doing, Anthony? Good. Tell us about the music that uh, brought us in today, and then we'll dive into the meat and potatoes of the podcast. Yeah, this is a uh, this is the day that Tom Petty's estate dropped his Wildflowers and All the Rest box set. It's on um, Spotify and the other streaming services right now. You can buy it at Amazon and CD or vinyl if you want or wherever else you want to buy your uh, music. Uh, we just recently featured a song from this collection, uh, Leave Virginia Alone, a couple of weeks ago. So I wanted to do a different Tom Petty song that was actually covered by Trampled by Turtles, kind of a bluegrass, um, alt country kind of a band. Uh, they, they covered Wildflowers back in 2018. Uh, so this is a really cool version of that, and I put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. And make sure you check out uh, Wildflowers and all the rest. It's 54 songs from the whole uh, Wildflowers uh, sessions, including some live tracks and demos and, and everything. I can't wait to get into it after we get done uh, recording the pod. Nice, good stuff. Well, this podcast, the Most Accurate Podcast, is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, home of the all-new snake draft format, the Battle Royale. More on that a little bit later on. A couple of housekeeping items. 444 now has Discord. It's a community where 444 subscribers can interact with each other and the 444 analysts, such as John Paulson. And it's where John himself posts his Thinking Inside the Box series of stats every single Monday. To join, go to bit.ly slash 444discord. That's bit.ly slash the number four, F-O-R, the number four, Discord. It's in all lowercase. Just verify your subscription and get started. If you haven't signed up for 444, you can get a free 444 subscription if you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site. You just need to be a new Monkey Knife Fight user and deposit $10 into your account after you sign up. That offer is good for 444, uh, a 444 classic, classic subscription, a pro subscription, or a DFS subscription. So it's up to a $99 value. It's a no-brainer assuming that you live in one of the 37 approved states or in Canada. Details can be found at bit.ly slash 444MKF. That's bit.ly slash the number four, F-O-R, the number four, M-K-F. That's in all lowercase. The offer too, good news here, that's good for existing 444 subscribers as well. So if you already have a classic subscription or a DFS subscription, great. Just go through that process that I just described and then email support at 444.com and let them know they're going to add a year to your existing subscription. Again, that's to those subscribers that are already there for 444. We start off with today's podcast. And by the way, we've got sneaky starts coming up. We'll go through the injury news. Unfortunately, it's 2020, though, and that means we're going to lead off with some COVID-19 news. And it's not just the Falcons that are being impacted uh, by some COVID-19 precautions. The Colts have shut down their facilities after several members of the organization tested positive for COVID-19. For now, the Colts and Bengals game is still on track to be played. Good news in Atlanta There were no new positive tests, and the Falcons are returning to in-person activities today, and we're recording the podcast 
on Friday. So good news for the Falcons and Vikings, which is their opponent on Sunday. But John, how do you how do you see things with the Colts and Bengals when it comes to fantasy news? So I'm I'm just doing a quick as as a, just as a you know behind the scenes what goes on with the podcast when Anthony is bringing up news. Uh, you know, Friday morning, and when we record this, I sometimes am searching Twitter to see whatever <laughs> updates there are because you're dealing with the with the info that you have in front of you, Anthony. And I, you know, breaking news here: it looks like one minute ago from Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, uh, Falcons no new positive cases, facility open. Colts no new positive cases, facility to reopen this afternoon. So Sunday's wow. games uh, are on as scheduled, according to Tom Pelissero, who's doing. You know, I think he was. Uh, Vikings. I want to say he was a Vikings uh, beat writer before. Yeah, he's doing a really uh, good job. I, at, uh, I think it was the Star Tribune. Okay, and uh, yeah, he's doing a really good job at NFL Network now. He's starting to get into that. Uh, I added him to my Money News uh, <laughs> Twitter um, list of follows because uh, he's he's breaking some stuff and he's getting into that Schefter Rappaport. Uh, um, I don't, you know, Rappaport's on suspension right now, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Pelicero's kind of taking over and, uh, getting, get into that space, which is, uh, which is cool, but he's, uh, breaking that news about the Colts. So it looks like that game is going to happen, which is good, but I would just monitor this. If you're an owner, you got to be on your toes. You can't just like set your lineup on Friday this year and expect everybody to be, <laughs> uh, playing and active on Sunday. Cause sometimes the games move to Monday or Tuesday or the following week or, you know, week, week 11, um, so you have to be on top of it and give yourself an out if you can uh, give you, you know, make sure you have a, a, an option on the bench that isn't impacted by these, uh, these positive test results or these, you know, two teams that are involved here. It's the Colts and the Bengals this week. Uh, but as of right now, it looks like the, that game is on. That's good news. I don't know what they mean by several members of their organization. It might not have anything to do with the players we haven't heard any players testing positive because that's a whole nother facet of this of, of some uh, like adam humphreys and Corey davis had to miss the last game for the titans because they were still on the covid ir list um but so far we haven't heard anything about uh, any colts players uh testing positive i don't think so that's where we're at odell beckham was sent home sick on thursday but he tested negative for covid19 as did the entire browns organization he remains at home friday ahead of the browns game against the steelers on sunday jarvis landry also mispracticed with hip and rib injuries and looks iffy for week six what would be your advice to odell beckham jr owners as well as any owner that has jarvis landry well, all you can really with Beckham, all you can do is hope that he's feeling better by Sunday and can, re, continues to test negative for COVID. Because if he's, it's a typical illness. I mean, we see this a lot in normal seasons, especially you know, you get into flu season. Somebody's not feeling great on Wednesday or Thursday. They send him home, and they, they're out there playing on Sunday. Is typically what happens. So if he's if he doesn't have COVID, doesn't have to go on the COVID list. I'm assuming he's going to be out there on Sunday. I am a little worried about this passing game in general with. You know, Landry missing practice, banged up with a couple of injuries. Uh, Beckham out. You know, uh, um, Baker Mayfield hasn't looked particularly great this year, and they're facing the Steelers. Um, so it's you know more of a situation where you want to dial up that Steelers defense, probably as opposed to using these Browns in this passing game. Le'Veon Bell, kind of interesting week for Le'Veon Bell. He complained about his role in Adam Gase's offense on Monday. By Tuesday night. He had been released by the Jets organization after the Jets tried to trade him. And then by Thursday afternoon, Le'Veon Bell was a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. They, of course, the defending Super Bowl Kansas City Chiefs. So 
Again, interesting week for Le'Veon Bell. So how do you think this backfield shakes out now with Bell in the mix? Do you think that the rookie Edwards-Alaire remains the RB1, or is Bell a real threat to carve into those RB1 uh, opportunities, John? Well, Bell's certainly a threat. Uh, I did post a couple paragraphs about this on Twitter and in the Discord um, yesterday, but I'll just give you a, a quick summary of that. I don't think it's a death knell to Edward Solaire's uh, value. I think he remains the starter for now. I think they were probably expecting, you know, more than 4.2 yards per carry and one touchdown through five games at this point. I think he's been fine. Uh, he just hasn't, uh, you know, exploded out of the gate like maybe they were hoping. But you know, I think they were originally drafting him. Uh, to to be the running back of the future. They used a first-round pick on him for a reason. I think they still feel that way. If you look at the organization and what they're trying to do, winning a second Super Bowl, uh, they they didn't have... The the plan was to have Damian uh, Williams and Edward Solaire in this backfield together with probably Williams in the lead role, in my opinion, but he ended up opting out uh, for the COVID uh, reasons. So Edward Solaire's kind of been thrust into that RB1 role all they have behind them are Daryl Williams and um, Darwin Thompson, uh, DeAndre Washington. So I think they looked at Bell's, you know, being cut and being on the street as a free agent uh, as an opportunity to improve their backfield. And it doesn't mean that he's being signed to come in here and be the starter. Uh, he hasn't looked great for the Jets, and that's there's a big caveat there because it's the Jets. Uh, but he's you know, he hasn't run for more than uh, four yards per carry since 2016 when he ran for uh, 4.9 yards per carry for the Steelers. Uh, so the th- I don't think he's going to come in and just take over the take over the job immediately. He may uh, he may eventually. I don't know how they are looking at this in terms of uh, Edward Slayer for the remainder of the season. Is he are they looking at him as the starter for the remainder of the season? I think they probably are if they used a first round draft pick on him. And they're looking at Bell as the as the backup and some insurance because, it, you know, through the course of a season, you're probably going to lose your running back for a few games, and they want to have a good player to, to put in there. And so I'm looking at Edward Solaire. You know, they've had about 24.2 uh, touches per game in, in this backfield through the first five weeks, and um, Edward Solaire has seen uh, 19.6 of those on average. I, I would expect that to drop to about 15 to 17 with uh, Bell getting, you know, seven to nine touches as, as the backup. And that may even out more if, if Bell earns a larger role uh, and looks more like he did when he was uh, playing for the Steelers. And, you know, is that sport, it's more of an explosive running back that he, uh, he was in Pittsburgh versus what we've seen in uh, with the Jets. And I think this is definitely another test case for a player getting out from underneath Adam Gase. Uh, we've seen it with, uh, you know, uh, Robbie Anderson doing really well, uh, and other players have, have gone elsewhere and done really well. Uh, Kenyon Drake had a good run last year with the, with the uh, Cardinals. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with Bell this year. But um, I'm not panicking if I'm an Edwards Hilaire owner. I think he'll remain like a fantasy RB2. Uh, obviously, you would prefer him as, his, as the RB1 that he was prior to this, but um, Maybe he uh, does a little bit better with his uh, in, a, in a fewer in fewer touches because he's you know a little bit more well rested, gets a break here and there, and maybe feels a little bit of fire under him because he has to compete with Bell for touches in this backfield. 
Let's run through some of the more pertinent injuries for week six. Dalvin Cook has a great matchup with the Falcons, but we saw him suffer the groin injury last week in the first half against Seattle, and he didn't come back. He's iffy, apparently, for Sunday's game. It's hard to trust Dalvin Cook, right? Yeah, and they got the week seven by looming, and that typically is a situation where if the team feels like they can win um, against a you know an 0-5 Falcons team, <clears throat> sorry, Anthony. Um, <laughs> it's okay. We're moving forward. <laughs> uh, if they feel like they can win um, without him, and or if they feel like you know Alexander Madison, uh, Mike Boone can get them through the week, uh, then they can give uh, Dalvin Cook two weeks to heal and let that groin. Uh, uh, heal up for for week eight. So I have Madison right now as my RB three and half PPR. I think he's a f- fantastic start against the the Falcons. He's he's dual threat, um, runs the ball well and can catch it as as well. And uh, it's going to be a high scoring game, I think, against the Falcons. Leonard Fournette's dealing with an ankle ankle injury. He's been limited in practice. How does his return impact Ronald Jones in that Tampa Bay backfield? Well, it's it's nicer if he's inactive. Uh, I think for Jones owners, they don't have to worry about him. I mean, last. The last game against the the Bears, he was active, but uh, we found out prior to the game that he was just uh, emergency only. And Ronald Jones has been um, the bell cow there, basically, and has run really well. I think he's over 4.5 yards per carry, 4.6, 4.7, something like that. Uh, so I think they're happy with his production, and he's going to continue in the RB1 role. If Fournette is able to go, then Jones's ceiling is lowered a little bit. Uh, he doesn't have as much leash if he were to fumble the ball like he did in that uh, one game and uh, ended up taking a back seat to Fournette. But then they, bounce, they bounced back, and or he bounced back, and they gave him uh, quite a bit of uh, work the following week, and he's basically been the, the starter there outside of that one game. And this Fournette injury has allowed him to sort of blossom in that role. So I think heading into this game, I have him ranked as an RB2. There is a little bit of concern there that if Fortnite is healthy, that they may divvy up those carries a little bit uh, more evenly. But uh, he's done very well, and, and uh, I think he's still that the top dog in that backfield. So this is not an injury, but Melvin Gordon was arrested for a DUI on Tuesday night. Should owners be concerned about his status heading into this week as the Broncos take on the Patriots in New England? Yeah, the, the interesting thing here is that Vic Fangio just didn't have a thought, like didn't explain his thought process on Gordon's um, availability this week. He's not ruling him in or out or anything. They <clears throat> they said there's going to be some repercussions, some consequences, uh, but they love him and he's part of the family and all that. So, I you know, there might be a – if he's active this week, there might be a quarter or two where he doesn't touch the ball or he doesn't get the start or something along those lines. He might be inactive for this game for as punishment. But there's, there's no league punishment at this point. Yet the legal process has to play itself out uh, in order for him to get suspended uh, by the league. So as far as we know, he's going he's not suspended uh, and will be available for this game if the Broncos want to use him. Um, so I'm guessing with Philip Lindsay coming back uh, from his toe injury, looking pretty good in practice, that we just see more of him. And maybe we have a quarter or two where Gordon you know, doesn't, doesn't draw the start. Uh, as punishment for what he did this week. A.J. Brown had a really nice game on Tuesday night for the Titans, and he had been out for the previous, what, four weeks or so? I forget how many games the Titans. I think they're 4-0, so he 
He missed most he of missed that. Three games. Yeah, he missed or three two games. games. He missed two games, two games. but that, that Monday night game against Denver, he didn't do much. So he returns, nice boost for, for A.J. Brown owners, but then he missed practice on Thursday. Something to be worried about? Uh, if he misses practice again today, I'll be I'll start to get concerned. Uh, but with their game being on Tuesday, and having to turn around and um, and play in the early game on Sunday against the Texans, I think they're just giving him as much rest as possible with this short week. Uh, so we'll see. You know, if he's completely misses today. Uh, and is listed as questionable and is like a game time decision, then I, I would start to get concerned. But if he gets a limited or a full practice in today, I think we're good to go with Brown. John Brown's been dealing with a knee injury, but he took full full reps on Thursday. Do you like him? Well, he's this is a really strong passing game now with the Bills, and what I'm trying to do with my teams is if I have John Brown, which I do have him quite a bit, I'm trying to get Gabriel Davis uh, either off of waivers or via trade, and having them both because if Brown's going to be dinged up and miss a game, then Gabriel Davis just slides right into his spot and basically, you know, posts his production. So you, you always have a good receiver that you can start if one of those two is healthy. Um, I, it looks like with the full reps uh, on Thursday that, that Brown's good to go this week. And then DJ Chark, he's dealing with an ankle injury. He missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday. He was unable to finish week five. How would his absence affect the other Jacksonville receivers and, of course, quarterback Gardner Minshew? Well, everybody else gets a bump. We, you know, Chark missed that game against um, the Dolphins on Thursday night, and, you know, everybody blamed his absence for Minshew's struggles, and I don't know that that was the case. I think maybe the Dolphins are a little better than than we thought they were after they went in and trounced uh, the 49ers uh, last week. So this defense, the, the Dolphins' defense, you know, they spent a lot of money on that defense, and use draft capital on it and it's improved. So I think maybe that was what we're, that's what we're seeing there a little bit more so than the Chark absence. I think LaVisca Chenault is working his way into a wide receiver three, you know, every week start he's, he's being consistently targeted. Uh, Keelan Cole would get a bump, you know, Chris Conley. Um, and they have a, I think a, a, a rookie there that I'm, D.D. Westbrook has been inactive, but they have a Colin Johnson, a rookie who's been getting some run ahead of Westbrook. So, you, you probably see four receivers, mainly Chanel, Cole, Conley, and Johnson uh, on the field You know, if Chark is out because uh, those, there's extra snaps and, and targets available. I would think that Chanel and Cole are the ones that are startable given their production this season. And Cole's been you know, a, a red zone threat, and Chanel's been you know, kind of a multi-purpose threat, but his, his role in the passing game is increasing. I wouldn't downgrade uh, Gardner Minshew too much since uh, they are playing the Lions this week, and it's a good matchup. Chris Godwin has been out for a while now. He continues to deal with that hamstring. He was limited on Thursday, but is he progressing to play potentially this Sunday against your Packers? Yeah, I want to see what he what he does uh, today. Uh, the the Packers play the late game on Sunday, so we're, I'm hoping it's not a game time decision because I can put fantasy owners in a bind, and then certainly as a ranker, it puts me in a bind whether or not to rank Godwin. Um, as a Packer fan, I think he should just take the week off, you know, rest himself. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, come back strong the following week. But uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, it's a good sign for his owners that he's out there and, and, and working, but uh, we won't know mo- more until we get the official designation uh, today. And then we may – this kind of smells like it's going to be a Schefter tweet, you know, Saturday night, Sunday morning, saying that he's uh, he's in or he's out for the game. 
Deontay Johnson, Steelers wide receiver, dealing with a back injury. He was limited Thursday after sitting out on Wednesday. What do you think about Deontay Johnson playing against the Browns, and is he even worth it if he does suit up? Oh, this is – yeah, this is another player I'd like for just to have him take the week off because I have Chase Claypool uh, and Deontay Johnson in our uh, FFPC team, and I got to see – Chase Claypool rack up 42 points on our bench mm. while Deontay Johnson had less than a point before leaving the game early. So um, we did win the game, so that's good. But uh, I think if you have both, you would like Johnson to sit and get healthy and then let Chase Claypool be the, the number two, number one receiver for the Steelers this week. But uh, it looks like he's, you know, maybe had back spasms uh, and they're, you know, bringing him back uh, slowly this week with limited reps. I think we'll know more again today with the official designation. This smells like he's going to play. And a lot of times these back injuries aren't that severe. They, they, they knock a player out for the game and then um, they're able to come back the following week. I feel like we're about to have the same conversation that we did last week on Julio Jones, <laughs> but he too is dealing with a hamstring injury. He missed practice again on Thursday. I'm assuming more, you know, look, we need more information come Friday, but I remember you saying last week, yeah, if he suits up, he's Julio Jones, you got to play him. So I imagine the advice would be the same. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this also to me smells like his hamstring injury is pretty severe. And uh, the 0 5 Falcons, do they want to push him uh, to come back to play? Are they just trying to get a win at this point? Are they shutting it down? Are they tanking? What's going on within the. I don't think that the players are tanking, but like, what is the what's the end game here of rushing Julio Jones back for this game? Uh, so that's sort of in the back of my mind. Uh, the Falcons do not have a bye until Week Ten, so that's not a factor. I think the game is also early. This is a great matchup against the Vikings. The secondary's struggled. They're getting they're getting a little bit better, but they struggled very uh, very much early in the year. Uh, if if Jones is out, Calvin Ridley is obviously a must-start no matter what, but Russell Gage and uh, Olamide uh, Zacchaeus, is that how you pronounce that? I was expecting him to uh, have a better game last week. I had him listed as a sneaky start. Uh, he only uh, caught one of four targets for 13 yards. He played 97% of the snaps, though. He had eight for eight, 86 and on nine targets against the Packers in week four. That's kind of why I expected him to produce with uh, with Jones out, but you know, maybe he bounces back. The, the the Vikings are 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, so it's it's a great matchup. And you know, he's got uh, looks like uh, 19 targets over the last three weeks, so he's definitely uh, very involved. Uh, Russell Gage obviously started hot, but he's kind of cooled off. So um, I think Zacchaeus is is your best bet if you're trying to pivot from uh, from Jones. Uh, and you have, you know you're looking for somebody off the waiver wire that you can plug in. That whole pat that Falcons passing game has really gone quiet over the last two weeks. So it'll be interesting to see if they do bounce back in a in a good matchup. All right, tight end injury updates. We'll run through these. Jordan Aiken's ankle injury is limited. Eric Ebron, he's got a hand injury, but he fully practiced. Tyler Eifert, neck injury, did not practice. Noah Fant, ankle injury was limited. Hayden Hurst, back injury was limited. And then Johnu Smith, quad injury limited. Anything you want to discuss out of this group? Uh, yeah, I think Jordan Aikens, if he's uh, active, I think he's a fairly good start. He's available on uh, most waiver wires these days. I keep trying to pump him up, but uh, it doesn't seem to be taking with the fantasy community. But he said, you know, he had a seven-catch game this, this year, and he had the ankle injury uh, to catch him out last week, and Darren Fells had a good game. Uh, Eric Ebron, I think, is a strong 
start. I have him as a t- uh, tight end one streamer this week. Tyler Eifert, if he's out, James O'Shaughnessy would would play uh, quite a few more snaps, and he was you know fairly decent last year and involved in that offense. Uh, you know, if you're just you know getting um, tight end premium type points for for his catches. No offense, obviously a, a strong start if he can play. He he's been a tight end one in terms of usage this this season. Hayden Hurst hasn't really taken off like uh, we we thought he would in that offense without Austin Hooper there. Uh, he's not a frequent target of Matt Ryan. Uh, not frequent enough anyway, but he is a threat to catch a touchdown. And then, John, obviously, Johnny Smith, if he's available, you've got to start him. I think this was another situation with this quad injury that they had a game on Tuesday and they just want to give him as much rest as possible before they uh, have to play on Sunday. Well, we all love snake drafts, certainly. We all love big prizes, but what we don't all love is big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other teams in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pool together the prizes so they can big they can offer big tournament-style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format. If you think this is your week and you can draft the best team, you have to try Battle Royale. It offers the big upside a normal snake draft can't with prizes that used that are used to only be attainable in season-long or salary cap tournaments. The first Battle Royale is already up in the Underdog app and website. It's $5 to enter. Has It has a $25,000 prize pool and it pays out $5,000 to first place so it's a cool uh concept you want to jump on it and you can win potentially some big big money thanks to underdog fantasy john no thursday night football this week so let's jump right into some sneaky starts quarterback wise you you listed a couple of four for people and I'm, i'm assuming you did this too because look Dak prescott went down with an injury got some more bye weeks this week you don't know about some COVID situations, perhaps. So three quarterbacks you like, one of one, one of which we, we talked about the matchup before for uh, from a running back standpoint, but you also like Kirk Cousins against the Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons are 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. I'm sorry to report that, uh, Anthony, but <laughs> well aware. Uh, he's had one. Yeah, he had one bad game against the Colts, and obviously the Colts defense is one of the better ones, if not the you know up up there top three or four defense in the league this year. Uh, but otherwise, he's been pretty solid. He had two fifty-nine and two touchdowns in Week One against the Packers, two fifty-one and three uh, in Week Three against the Titans, two sixty and one in Week Four against Houston, and two forty-nine and two against the the Seahawks last week. And the Falcons have uh, given up over three hundred yards uh, to Teddy Bridgewater, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and then three sixteen and four combined to uh, Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and of course, 450 and a touchdown to Dak Prescott. So it's a, it's a good matchup for for Cousins. Uh, Jefferson's coming along. They got enough weapons in the passing game, and the Falcons or it should be good enough to put up some points uh, offensively to keep this uh, the score up in this game. Andy Dalton. I mentioned Dak Prescott suffering the season-ending injury last week and the win over the Giants. Andy Dalton steps in under center. In an offense that has been really firing on all cylinders, it's been the defense that's been the issue for Dallas. But you like the matchup on Monday against Arizona for Andy Dalton. Yeah, this should be a high-scoring game. Arizona's uh, 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. People were kind of right off Andy Dalton after the last couple seasons in Cincinnati, but he's uh, the perfect guy to have as your backup right now and, and come into this offense with this this uh, rec- you know receiving core is incredible. Uh, 
one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Uh, I just wish Blake Jarwin was a part of it, but uh, that ship has sailed. He completed 9 of 11 passes for 111 yards uh, in about a third of the snaps in week 5, so you're looking at you know 10.1 yards per attempt. He's firing the ball down to Michael Gallup. Uh, I, I think he's a great pickup in QB, uh, two, two quarterback leagues. Um, and I think he has a, th- he's a threat to put up, uh, put up, uh, QB one numbers, you know, top 12, top 15 numbers pretty consistently given the, the nature of this offense and how bad the defense is, uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, the Cardinals have yielded 276 and two to Teddy Bridgewater and 270 and two to, to Matthew Stafford, uh, in recent weeks. So it's a good matchup. Speaking of good matchups and bad defenses, Ryan Fitzpatrick has the Jets this week after a really nice performance last Sunday in San Francisco. Yeah, ranking Fitzpatrick is tough because just when you start to get comfortable <laughs> with him as your uh, with his with him as your starter, he you know lays a turd at, you know in a good matchup, and this is a kind of feels a little bit like a trap, but all the numbers are pointing to a, another good game for him. Uh, the Jets are kind of mediocre against quarterbacks; they're 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to quarterbacks. But uh, Fitzpatrick has scored 21 plus in four straight games. Uh, he had uh, a 315 uh, two interception outing against the Seahawks where he ran uh, for 47 yards and a touchdown so he you know he didn't have the greatest day throwing against the the Seahawks but he was able to add you know 60 or I'm sorry uh, 10.7 points as a runner uh, to his bottom line that's what's nice about having those running quarterbacks the Jets have given up 380 and a touchdown to Kyler Murray 242 and two touchdowns to Brett Ripien. Uh, and uh, 202 yards and two touchdowns to uh, Garoppolo and, and Nick Mullins' uh, combination in recent weeks. So it's a pretty good matchup. I think this is a, you know, the Dolphins are kind of uh, surging a little bit. Uh, I don't know that he's going to keep it up, Fitzpatrick. He, he's not the most consistent guy. So for him to have 21 uh, points in four straight games is, is, you know, I don't know if it's a little bit alarming, but uh, as I mentioned, it feels like a trap. But he's, you know, if you need points, uh, he's definitely got that 30-point ceiling. Let's talk about some running backs now that you like as sneaky starts, including David Montgomery. He's got the Carolina Panthers on the road this week. Yeah, the Panthers are 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So this is part of the season where adjusted fantasy points is really coming into its own, getting enough data um, to where I can use it with, with confidence to, to have a pretty good idea who which teams are good against which positions. Uh, the Panthers have given up 161 total yards, 1.5 touchdowns on average on 29 touches per game to opposing backfields this season. Uh, since Tariq Cohen has been injured, Montgomery has become a bell cow back. Um, he hasn't, they don't run the ball well, the bears, but this is a chance for him to uh, really have a good game. And, and everybody's basically producing against the Panthers. So, so why not Montgomery? Miles Gaskin, Matt Breida, you like their matchup as well. Yeah, I think Miles Gaskin is a great start this week. I think Matt Breida, Breida is more of the sneaky start uh, variety. Since Jordan Howard was inactive last week, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but again this week, but he was a healthy scratch last week, and that led to a Gaskin uh, one-yard touchdown. Uh, and Breda had some extra touches. He had 10 touches uh, against his old team uh, last week for 59 total yards. So, this is a situation where if Howard is out again and, you know, Gaskin is not available on the waiver wire, but Breda might be, you might be able to get him uh, if you need a spot start against the, against the Jets who are 24th in Justin fantasy points allowed to running back. So 171 total yards, 1.75 touchdowns on 31 touches that they've yielded to opposing 
backfields uh, over the last four games. A couple more running backs, and we'll get into some wide receivers as well. DeAndre Swift, the rookie, he is coming off the bye week for the Lions, and they've got a pretty good matchup with Jacksonville. Yeah, this uh, Adrian Peterson has an illness as well. It was added to the injury report on Thursday after missing practice, so I don't know for sure what's going on with that. He might be uh, fine by Sunday. Um, but usually the bye week is where I look for maybe a struggling, you know, high uh, capital, uh, struggling rookie to, you know, Swift is not struggling per se. He's just not getting the type of workload that we were hoping for uh, when he was drafted to the Lions backfield. Coming out of a bye with a good matchup against Jacksonville, this is this is a spot where you could start Swift uh, if you were desperate or semi-desperate and and things are sort of lining up for him to, you know, produce with Peterson, uh, you know, sick, uh, Karrion Johnson's role sort of diminishing and a great matchup against the Jaguars. You might see Swift with a bigger role than uh, he has seen in the first few weeks of this uh, season. And then one more, let's do Chase Edmonds. He's got the matchup. I mentioned Dallas, the defense being the problem there. So he's got the Cowboys on Monday night. Yeah. And he's Al fully admit that he's been out playing Kenyon Drake this season. Uh, it doesn't seem like they, the Cardinals are, really shifting the backfield in Edmonds' favor as of yet. They keep uh, uh, feeding Drake. Um, I don't think that Drake necessarily looks like the player he did last year. Things are a little bit different. They're not using him as much as in the passing game. Uh, he's not running with as much burst as he did last season, so I wonder if that preseason foot injury is a, a bother. I mean, there are some rumors to that effect, but uh, I don't know. He did have a couple of strong runs leading up to a touchdown Last week against the Jets, uh, maybe that gets him going a little bit, but they just aren't using him in the passing game like they, they did last season. Uh, and they are using Edmonds in that role. And against Dallas, uh, there should be quite a few touchdowns scored in this game, and maybe Edmond, Edmonds can get you one uh, you know, as an RB3 flex type. A couple of wide receivers now that you like as sneaky starts. How about Nicole Hardman? I feel like he he's always tantalizing, and, and sometimes he disappoints. But you like him uh, as the Chiefs take on the Bills. Yeah, because this, Sammy Watkins is out, so Hardman's you know snaps are going to spike. That doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to to light it up. But you know you have McCole Hardman and his speed with Patrick Mahomes' arm. Uh, Buffalo is twenty seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, so the matchup is good. Uh, last year there were six games where either Tyree Kill or Watkins missed, and uh, he averaged three catches for fifty three yards and half a touchdown in those games. Uh, that's pretty good production for a rookie, and I would expect a you know a bit more from him in his second season. So, you know, this is why you held on to Hardman if he wasn't producing or when he wasn't producing early in the year is that you're hoping uh, maybe attrition allows him to get into these three receiver sets. And Demarcus Robinson is another player that might end up uh, producing this week against the Bills, uh, but I, I like Hardman more. Christian Kirk is having a, um, well, he's got, I guess he's coming off of a breakout performance Against the Jets last Sunday, he was targeted seven times. He caught five passes for 78 yards, and you like his matchup against Dallas as well. Yeah, since his injury, he had three, three for 19 and touchdown uh, on five targets against the Panthers prior to that five for 78. So we're starting to see him get going a little bit, and the, you know, the Cowboys are 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. So uh, you know, this is a 2 plus 2 equals 4 type situation where you can start to Trust him. I mean, he's got trust him a little bit more because he's got the two games back to back where he's actually produced a pretty pretty good fantasy line for you. And then uh, Travis Fulgram, who has had just a monstrous two weeks, he had another nice game last week against Pittsburgh and the Eagles. Eagles are taking on the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. 
Yeah, and the Ravens have a tough defense, but they're 14th in just fantasy points allowed to uh, receivers. Uh, they're tougher to run on, so teams tend to have to throw on them. Plus, they also uh, get ahead of teams, so teams just fall behind and have to throw more than they would like to. And uh, obviously, Fulgham went nuts last week, 10 for 152 and a touchdown on 13 targets. Uh, he had 57 yards and a touchdown against the 49ers the previous week. I don't know what the this receiving core is going to look like on Sunday. I mean, Deshaun Jackson is trying to work his way back. Alshon Jeffrey is trying to work his way back. If those players are both out, then uh, Fulgham will probably see a lot of targets, but he'll also be the focus along with Zach Ertz in the passing game uh, of the defense for the Ravens. Uh, maybe if one, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey are out there, he takes some of the focus off of him. Uh, I don't know if this is going to continue. He's, uh, he, he was very good at Old Dominion as a senior, 63 catches for 1,083 yards and nine touchdowns, uh, but he was a six-round pick for the Lions, and then they eventually released him, and he landed with the Eagles and had the big game. So he seems to be emerging as a, uh, you know, this is a 10 for 152 doesn't happen every day, so I don't know what how the Eagles view him. Uh, is he going to be an 80 90% player even when Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey comes back? That's the, that's the big question. All right, tight ends. Robert Tanyan, last time we saw him, he was destroying the Falcons on Monday Night Football and a pretty good matchup with uh, Tampa Bay this weekend at Edward at uh, Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, I don't know how sneaky he is after a three-touchdown game on, uh, was, it, was it Monday Night mm-hmm. Football? Uh, but um, <laughs> he's not really flying under the radar anymore. But I I have him at tight end six rest of the season, and I just, there's a tier of tight ends there that he's a part of, uh, you know, after the top five that, there's a bit of a gap, and uh, you know, I got some questions about him. Is he for real? And I, I think with Alan Lazard out, that Aaron Rodgers needs a number two option in the passing game. I don't think Marquez Valdez Scantling is that player. I think he's a more of a four to five target deep shot type guy. He's not somebody that Rodgers can rely on week, you know, every week. I think he wants some other options other than Devontae Adams uh, in the short passing game. And I think Tanya, they're, they're really starting to scheme especially against the Falcons, they were scheming him in that passing game heavily and Rodgers started looking for him. So um, I think he's emerged as that, the, you know, the, the number two option right now. And with Lazard out, I think he's a pretty safe start. Eric Ebron, the tight, the, the touchdown maker, he's got Cleveland this week. Yeah. They're 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, tight ends. So it's a nice matchup. Um, they've given up four for 72 and a touchdown to Dalton Schultz and 11 for 87 and a touchdown to the uh, Cincinnati uh, tight ends in recent weeks and Ebron has seen at least five targets in three straight games uh, he's caught at least five passes in the last two games so he's becoming a bigger bigger part of this uh, passing attack and I think he's a nice start this and week. then finally I know we talked about Jordan Aikens a little bit in the tight end section of the injury report but just some thoughts on his matchup yeah I'll you know Darren Fells has a 50 yards and touchdown last week because Aikens was out and I think with Aikens back he against the Titans 29th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends He's a good start. I'll also mention Irv Smith because he started to get him involved early in the game last week against the Seahawks. He finished with four for 64 on five targets and 68% of the snaps. That was Those were all season highs. Um, and the Falcons, of course, have given, gave up three touchdowns to Robert Tanyan. They gave up two touchdowns uh, and 60 yards to Jimmy Graham. And they gave up 99 catches for 88 yards and touchdown to Dalton Schultz. So I think Smith 
could also pay off if, if you want to plug him in the, in the lineup this week. The, the Falcons are 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. That's John Paulson. You can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We appreciate you listening to the Most Accurate Podcast. We'll be back again next Friday. Good luck to you in all of your Week 6 fantasy endeavors, and we'll see you back next time here in the Most Accurate Podcast. your heart be your guide. You deserve the deepest of cover. You belong in that home by and by. You belong among the wildflowers. You belong somewhere close to me. Far away Somewhere you feel free You belong somewhere you